That was so good. I love singing that song. It has been a staple song of our church for, for many, many years. And God's brought us through many, many things. And I uh, feel like I'm in the twilight zone again. Anybody feel like they're in the twilight zone some days? Like there's just a part of me standing up here today that, that I, can't, I can't lie. It's just such a weird feeling last night and this morning looking out and just thinking a year ago this place was packed to the max right and in your mind you're imagining it's just up and to the right from there and and you can't even fathom in your wildest imaginations that you're going to be going into a season like we've gone in that literally just turns things inside out and upside down and here we are, and here we are online, and we are in this sort of convoluted atmosphere trying to just grope for hope, trying to find our bearings, trying to find out where is the bottom in all of this? Where is the end? What's, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? And I wish as a leader, I could say, I see the light, guys. Just, you know, put your finger into my belt loop and I'll pull you toward the light. I, I don't know where the light is. Every week I'm looking for the light and um, all I know is to anchor myself in this book and in the heart of God and in the faithfulness of God through every season um, that he led his people through for thousands and thousands of years. And I uh, today find myself on Father's Day as a father, um, thinking, wow, this is the weirdest Father's Day in the world. My wife's actually leaving this afternoon to, to go for some training this week in interior decorating. So um, her gift to me is I'm leaving. <laughs> it, it occurs to me. So you've got all the kids. You just got to figure this out. Thank you so much. What a great Father's Day present. I'll take her to the airport and um, I'm left to drown on my own. But uh, yeah, I, I just, happy Father's Day. I love Father's Day. I have a great dad. He already wrote me um, with his own handwriting a, a card that he sent me. And he hasn't always done that. Um, it's usually been my mom on behalf of my dad. And how many of you know your talk? Your dad really does love you. Um, and I just wanted to write uh, in his stead to let you know that. But my dad wrote me and my father-in-law, look forward to talking to him, come from a good heritage, some good stock. And I love Father's Day. And apparently my, my kids love Father's Day as well. I have two sons, um, nine and eight. And they were like, Dad, Father's Day is coming up. They were saying this uh, yesterday. We can't wait for Father's Day. And I'm like, that's great. I can't wait for Father's Day either. They're like, I can't wait for Father's Day because on Father's Day, um, can you take us out and play baseball with us? And can you go fishing with us? Because it's Father's Day. That's a day where fathers are supposed to do that. And then on Father's Day, can you also make up your Jimmyfin stories at night before bedtime for us? So my Father's Day is really turned into my kid's day somehow. And I'm like, how did that happen? Why can't I take a nap? And even my, my wife and my girls are like, they want to get me a grill. 
and I don't want a grill because I already have a grill. <laughs> they want a grill. They don't want my grill because our grill actually had um, mice building nests in it over the winter and the spring. That doesn't bother me. I just burn them out and, um, and they burn out and, and, and you just keep it heated and everything burns up and you're good to go. And I'm like, I don't need a grill. And I guarantee you today I'm going home and there will be a grill on the back deck. And it is not for me. I just need to make that known to all of you. It is for them. So the boys, it's for them. The girls, it's for them. And then Heidi's leaving and I'm left um, to my own devices. And uh, so it's, well, I actually think like something about the the mice actually adds a real sort of mesquite sort of flavor. <laughs> I've noticed in our hamburgers that they're just so much, and those Texas Longhorn burgers that, uh, oh, those were good. Those were good. So it's just, a, it's a great day. Just moms and dads are so different. Eight weeks ago, we celebrated Mother's Day, and then we kind of bookend it with today, which is Father's Day. And it's been eight weeks um, just thinking about relationships, but so many differences with moms and dads. I, I actually found some funny pictures about the differences with moms and dads. Here's one, a mom having a moment eating with her kids. This is how a dad just is like, you know, you can't let anything go to waste, especially ketchup. Um, and then this is, this is a mom sort of cutting up carrots, and this is a dad grilling with his daughter, kind of keeping her warm while they, uh, he feeds her as well. <laughs> um, here's a mom taking her daughter for a walk. Here's how guys take <laughs> their kids for a walk out in the field. Yeah, that's my deer stand over there. Um, and this is a mom going shopping and a dad going shopping. Um, I love that. I love that. And uh, this is going to the zoo, how we experience feeding animals differently with mom than we do with dad. Now, this is a mother playing with her child. This is a dad playing with his child. I did that last year, and it works. That is a cool thing to do. I don't know if it's dangerous, but it definitely is a ventilator. And... Um, and this is a mom in swaddling clothes. Here's a dad that has him in a papoose in swaddling clothes. Um, I love this slide, how a mom goes down on a slide with her kid and a dad's like laughing. It's like a rite of passage, like you gotta learn, you know, the hard way, kid. And, uh, and this last one is napping with your baby and this is how it happens with a dad. This will be Father's Day afternoon for a lot of us kind of taking a nap or maybe for some of you guys. So. Just, just funny things. Um, Josh, it was um, not yesterday, but on Friday in the car, we were in the car and he always is asking, where's mom? And I'm like, you don't need mom, I'm right here. Why do you need mom? And he's like, well, mom, mom always says yes and you always say not in a million years. And I never knew most of my response to him is not in a million years. But when he was filling out his little kid's own sort of sheet last night, he's like, what does your dad always say? It's not in a million years. And uh, so this is, this is our life, mom and dads, you know, trying to pull it together. Um, but I love being a dad. And we can laugh at dads and stuff, but the fact is, is dads aren't just doofuses, you know? And I think in our culture, the reason why there's all these memes is we're just, just 
you know, ridiculous doofuses that just are cultural clods and, and, and uh, we don't know how to like, you know, um, figure things out and we're just, we don't remember anything. And some of these things are actually true, but on the whole, the caricature of men in our culture is not very fond. And when I think about men, the reality is that men's hearts are, are really, really deep. And, um, and I'm not just making that up. In Proverbs 20, verse 5, it says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The purpose in a man's heart, and another version says, The thoughts of a man's heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw them out. It really takes two men. I think sometimes to be in a conversation where you have a man of understanding that realizes and actually acknowledges you've got deep stuff going on under the hood in your life, regardless of what it looks like on the surface. And I'm gonna ask questions and I'm gonna pursue you and inquire of that heart and I'm gonna draw out the deep purposes and thoughts of the, the man's heart that's in front of me. And maybe it's just a part of my life and how God's wired me, but I, I love to ask questions. And it doesn't take very many questions, no matter what man you're with, to get to a place where you can see that more is going on under the hood than our culture depicts in most men. And I just want to be a voice up here today that validates men and lets you know I, you're, you're more than what you're made to look like you are. And you have more going on inside of you. And there's a lot more happening under the hood in your life than a lot of people are just brazenly speaking out and what is projected in our culture. And today I just want to acknowledge that. There's a few weeks ago I was thinking of, of speaking this week and, and calling the message I'm asking for a friend. I've had several times where people are asking me a deep question and then they're like, I'm asking for a friend, and I really know they are the friend of themselves that they're asking for. And I was thinking about guys that may be in this room today or maybe listening at home online, this asking for a friend line, and thinking of some of the thoughts and questions in the man's heart. Does everybody look forward to Father's Day? Just wondering, I'm asking for a friend. And I can tell you right now, not everybody does. This is a painful day for a lot of people in this room and in our culture. Do any other fathers feel like failures right now? I'm asking for a friend. When you have secrets that you can't tell anybody without feeling like you'll ruin everything, what do you do? I'm asking for a friend. What do you do when you have so much anger Inside of you, you can barely hold it together. I'm asking for a friend. There's a lot of that right now. Does it feel like masculinity is under attack right now in our culture? Just wondering, I'm asking for a friend. When do you know when you've committed the unpardonable sin? I actually had this asked to me a few weeks ago. I'm asking for a friend. Does anyone feel like they don't have any real friends? I'm asking for a friend because I don't have any friends, right? 
Is it okay to give up as a man when you've tried everything you know to do and it's not working? I'm asking for a friend. What do you do when you've worked so hard to provide for your family and it's not appreciated or it never feels like it's enough? I'm asking for a friend. Do you have to like hunting or sports or fishing in order to be a man or can you enjoy more reserved activities without being looked down upon? I'm asking for a friend. How do you know when you're having a mental breakdown? I'm asking for a friend. When you messed up and your wife doesn't trust you anymore and won't let you close to her, is there any hope for your future? I'm asking for a friend. Does anyone feel like their life is an utter mess sitting in church while other guys look to be doing just fine today? I'm asking for a friend. I don't know if any of those touch a nerve for you, but I know a lot of those are in this room and watching online today. I wrote something in my blog 10 years ago, actually, in February, right after Father's Day. And this was just a part of, of a longer piece of writing on the heart of a man. But I said this, I think there's something deeper going on inside of a man that contemporary culture attributes. They hide hurts, they dismiss desires or disown desires, they mask masculinity, and they increasingly play the part that has been written for them by the script in pop culture, which is a crossbreed of something between a donkey and a doorknob. I don't need to tell you that this isn't helping anybody. This isn't helping men, this isn't helping kids, this isn't helping children, this isn't helping civilization. And never before, in my lifetime have men been more needed and less appreciated. I'm gonna say that again. I don't think there's ever been a time where in our culture men have needed to stand up and be real men, not macho men, not violent men, not posers, not imposters, but real gentlemen and real strong men. Never before has our world needed men more where they've been appreciated less. And maybe even just saying that, I'll have people leave the church, but I hope the people that will stay will realize I'm gonna fight for masculinity because we were made in the image of God to bear his likeness in a particular way as a man. Male and female, he made them to both bear out his image in unique ways. That there's an equality as it relates to our value, but there is not an equality between masculinity and femininity and how we bear out the image of God, and that's okay. The diversity of that is beautiful. And one is not better than the other. And there's a verse I come back to that's like an anchor for my soul as a man, and man, and it's just like a familiar friend in Paul speaking to me and validating me as a man and who I want to be and my aspirations as a man when I feel like I'm just being put through the meat grinder. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not a waste. Therefore, 
my beloved brothers. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There's just something about that verse, like I've memorized it and it is, it is food for my soul. And this is written at a time in a culture in Corinth where being the church was not a real popular thing. There was all kinds of persecution going on in the church. That particular city was a hot mess. It would be like Sin City. It, it was called Carnal Corinth back at the time. The Corinthian church had three ports. Merchants would come in. Sailors would come in. They'd be away from home. This was the place you go like Las Vegas. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth kind of a thing. This is where we go sow our wild oats. We just let our carnal flesh and all of our impulses run wild. All kinds of wine, all kinds of debauchery, all kinds of brothels all over the place. Corinth was a place where you would actually go and it was a rite of passage by putting people in scenarios to test their moral character and to break their moral character as a rite of passage. And this is the world they were living in of materialism and commerce and all these other gods. And this is where Aphrodite, the God was worshiped and there were 200 prostitutes in a temple and these prostitutes were there and you would you know, have relations with them to worship your God, Aphrodite. And this was how they worshiped. That was church for them. And you're trying to be the church God's called you to be and men are going over here and women are going over here and our kids are being raised in these schools and this is their education. It's everything against the values of everything Jesus taught. What are we gonna do in this culture where everything's sinking sand and there's no solid rock to stand on? And he says, I'll tell you what, guys, finally be strong, steadfast, you're my dear friends, you're my dear brothers. You can be immovable when everything else around you is baiting you in and causing you to say, climb into the current of this culture. I'm telling you to be these kinds of men, these kinds of beloved brothers in this climate. We're not the first ones that have been in a cultural climate where we're just like going all over the place and getting pulled into the undertow and the riptide ourselves. And for me, just having verses like this allows me to get out of the political narrative driving what I believe about myself in the world or just other friends and people. And it's just like, God, what do you have to say to the masculine heart today, and just all of our hearts that have gathered today. This. I want to just take this verse apart piece by piece. It starts with, therefore, beloved brothers. Beloved brothers. Feel like a beloved brother? Almost sounds like, well, women are made to be beloved and beautiful. And men are made to be sort of strong and stout. And we, we like steadfast. But can you, before we get to steadfast, try to climb into beloved. Did your dad make you feel like a beloved boy? 
I feel that groan. <laughs> Some of us, he did. Some of us, we got really used to growing up in a habitat of feeling beloved, being that beloved son, being that beloved boy. And then we got thrown out to the wolves. And we held on for a while in our 20s and we felt strong and we remembered what it felt like to be beloved, but we really quickly realized you're not loved unless you crank out some utilitarian product or you measure up or you prove your worth. And that's different than being loved. Being beloved is at the core of an identity that no matter what you feel and what you've done and how you've messed up and what you haven't said or had, have said, I'm with you no matter what. No contingencies, no conditions. You're beloved. Men, I'm going to speak for myself, but then I'm going to speak for a lot of men I know. I think there's a fragility inside of so many men right now as it relates to feeling beloved. Ladies in here, if you've got a husband, and even if he doesn't manifest this desire to be beloved, to be pursued, to be loved without condition, to be treated ten tenderly and with respect and with honor, to be taken joy in, to be reveled in, um, you don't know the heart of a man. I know a lot of men just wonder if, if they're beloved. Like if I went missing, would anyone come looking for me? Does anybody know I'm out here? But this idea of beloved brothers comes from a, a coupling of Greek words that's agapitas adophos. And it's to be united to one another by the bond of affection. And I believe men are desperately look, looking for and longing for, the modern man is looking for a kinship of beloved brothers. I, was, uh, I sent a, a text out to one of my brothers this week who was inquiring of my heart. And I just sort of laid out that particular day I was in and what I felt. And he wrote back to me, and one of the things he said all the way at the end after he was edifying me and, and sharing his heart for me and identifying with where I was at, and it just felt good to be heard and responded to. Like somebody, somebody dwelt with me for a second. All the way at the end, he said, remember who you are. You are Jason Holdridge, the son God loves. And it was right after I was leading a bunch of things and I was all alone back in the counseling room and I just cried. Anybody just get tired of carrying so much stuff? having so much count on you. I, I just some days want 
that simple knowledge that even if I, I can't show up with, with talent and strength and vision and charisma, that people will love Jason, not Pastor Jason. People will love Jason because he's Jason. You know? That I'm just beloved. And I don't do anything to earn it. But in some senses, because of being created in the image of God, I deserve someone to love me that way. And you do too. I don't care how you've been treated your whole life by your dad. Your heavenly father thinks you're a beloved son. And I hope our church develops a brotherhood where you are a beloved brother. Another rendering of this passage is dear brothers, that you feel dear to somebody. Passage goes on and says, um, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. It almost is like, whoa, I was loving that beloved feeling, you know? Now I've got to be like steadfast. I got to be strong. I got to stand firm. I have to be faithful. I have to be resilient. I don't actually think men can be resilient and steadfast until they know they're beloved. And once they know they're loved unconditionally and that they will they have people around them will never leave them or forsake them, once you know that, you can scale a mountain. You can do things that are crazy insurmountable. You can overcome amazing odds. And there are so many people counting on you not to blow it. So this idea of being steadfast is really, really important. That you stand firm, you're fixed in your purpose, that, that there's just something about you that keeps going and doesn't give up. We need men to not just give up, to stay faithful like, God, you're faithful, and I want to stay faithful all the way to the end. I want to fight the good fight. I want to keep the faith. I want to finish the race. That's what Paul said at the end of his life. That's being steadfast. And that's a magnanimous man, and you can be that. In a world where probably statistically speaking, most men will be infidels and they will abandon their post and they will you know, break the bonds of their vows to their wife and vice versa. There can be a remnant of people that are like, no matter what happens in my life, even if I've made a mistake and I'm on my second marriage, I'm gonna right now, today, drive a stake in the ground and be steadfast and abandon my emotions and my feelings. My God is my stomach driving me and saying, no, God, I wanna be true. I wanna be true, I wanna be a good man. And I wanna be strong for the people that are dependent on me. I want to be strong for you, God. 
I read a book a, a while back by Eugene Peterson. He wrote the message, but it's just a little bit book. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. There's just something about the title of it that I'm like, yes. A long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. You, you go the same direction. You don't get rewarded you know, every time you do something good, but there's just a length to that obedience and a breadth to that obedience that you just keep going and pulling in that same direction right to the end. The passage goes on and says, be steadfast, immovable, immovable. Another translation says, let nothing move you. If steadfast means keep going, immovable means stay put or don't move. Like there's some things in your life that you have to just keep putting a step in front of the other and you need to keep doing the right thing again and again and again until the end. And then there's certain things that you don't want to move from your post. You want to stay put. It reminds me of Martin Luther and the Reformation. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Like this is where I stand. I'm not abandoning this post. Everybody else wants me to move and gravitate to the newest cool hashtag and the cool trendy sort of thing going on in the culture. I'm gonna stay put in what I believe God wants me to do and his heart for me and my doctrines and, and the precepts of my life and the creeds I stand by. I'm actually gonna stay rooted in those things even when they're not popular. Don't let anything or anyone move you from the righteous right thing. Stay right there. Even if it's embarrassing, even if you're made fun of, even if it doesn't seem like the most enlightened intellectual thing, it's like this is where I stand and I'm not moving one muscle. And if there's some you know, hard-headedness in men, and there is. If there's some rebellion in men that could be redeemed, this is the redemption of rebellion against the popular. This is, I'm not gonna move and I'm rebelling, not in the way that you rebel and just do what everybody else is doing, which is only peer pressure, which isn't rebellion, that's just caving in and complying. Immovable is the opposite of, of compliance. And we are in a mob mentality in our world from all sides saying, comply to what we believe, what we're saying, and what the messaging is, and you have to say it the right way. And I'm just the kind of person that's like, you will not get me to comply to the mob. I am bound to God. That bedrock of belief that just holds you there. Passage goes on, be steadfast, immovable guys, beloved brothers, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This might be a, a tough one for some of you here. 
to even know what the work of the Lord, the activity of God is, the labor of the Lord is, but you're never going to feel a sense of deep fulfillment and satisfaction until you're doing things that matter for eternity, for the king and the kingdom. And you're like, well, I don't know what that is. Well, that's the greatest quest of your life then to figure out as a man in this place, regardless of your age, I want to abound in the work of God. I wanna join him in what he's doing. Whatever mission that he's on, I wanna be apprentice of God. I wanna live for him and live for his purposes and leverage everything in my life, all my gifts and abilities and my savvy and my moxie, all of it is for the work of God. We need men that aren't just about their work and their side hustle and their dreams and their desires and their aspirations and their ambitions. We need men to say, all those things are given to me so that I can abound in the work that God wants to accomplish on this planet so that what's happening in heaven can happen on earth. And bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. You know how that happens? Beloved brothers are steadfast and movable and they start abounding in the work of God on this planet. Who are you employed by? God, he's my boss. He's got some things going on. He's got some plans. We've got some strategies. We got something to execute down here. It's attitudes and actions. need men that are passionate to please the Lord. And then the verse ends, bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's interesting, the work of the Lord and your labor in the Lord. There's an of the Lord thing and an in the Lord thing. It's essential to grasp in this passage in order to be the full-orbed man God wants you to be. That when I'm working, I'm working according to things that are of the Lord. And when I labor, I labor in the strength of God. That you can't labor and do the things God's called you to do just with your own willpower and skill power. That this takes being in the Lord and uh, knowing his will. And that's why to, to be in the Lord for me is I got to wake up every morning and I got to read just what the, the manual is saying about the work of the Lord. And then I have to know his heart for me that I'm the beloved son of an amazing father that has dreams for my life. And I'm just I'm like, I wanna be in the Lord, doing the work of the Lord. Just the, the word that hit me here was just knowing knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a time, like I said, where I feel like we're sort of just groping at the air, looking for handholds and footholds. We, there, there is a dissonance right now that I feel a, a lack of settledness, a disorientation, a loss of equilibrium. All these things sort of come to mind up here as I'm just trying to describe what are we doing? And how do you know that the labor that you're involved in is not in vain, that it's not a waste of time. 
How do you know? I think that's what's really hit me is there's so many unknowns right now and so many unknowables. As a man, like I wanna lead and I wanna do work that's fruitful, not futile, right? But I, I just don't know if I'm doing it the right way. I don't know. I don't have that just inherent belief and confidence. And one thing that Jason has not all the time, but pretty prevalently had in my life is, is a whole lot of confidence. And that's leaking out over the last 14 weeks. So knowing is just harder for me if I'm being honest with myself. I can't say that I know what's coming next or how to lead, but, but I have to say that's okay, but I have to know that my labor in the Lord isn't in vain, that what I'm doing in him and for him, that's not a waste, that has worth to it. But it can, it can go from not knowing to lack of belief to a feeling of hopelessness to futility to quitting really fast. And we, we, we just need men to be shorn up in this place. Don't go there. We need you, God needs you. Your family needs you, your world needs you. We have the Lord. We don't have to function you know, to the, to the beat of the drummer out there. This is our drum beat. And, and guys just, they want, they don't want their lives to be lived in vain. I don't know any guys that that love to just do things and waste their time and live in futility. They just don't. They wanna be effective. They wanna be productive. They wanna accomplish things. And it's about landing punches and it's, it's about hitting the mark and making a difference. And God said, you can know that when you labor in the Lord, you can have the assurance of that. But you gotta be a beloved brother it's steadfast and immovable and bounding in the, in the activities of God and the economy of the kingdom. And then you'll know that your labor in the Lord isn't in vain and you're not just kind of walking around aimlessly. I wrote out five statements based on these, these particular parts of the verse. One is I believe that men long to be beloved brothers. And maybe coming into today, those two words had never even occurred to you that you long for that. But the more I say it, the more you're like, you know what? It kind of would be nice to be loved for just being me. Not for what I do, but for who I am. I believe men can still be steadfast and faithful. I believe you can be. I don't know if you've heard anyone say that to you lately, and I know it's one guy saying it to a bunch of guys in this place, but I believe that there is a remnant of guys that can live in our world and be that. Even though most aren't, some can. And I hope that we can be a church, that we are the lighthouse on the hill that show people that when you root yourself in the ways of God and the will of God, that he can make you into a man like that. 
I believe men can remain true to their core values, that they can be immovable and remain at their post, being watchmen on the wall their whole lives. <clears throat> how, many, how many of you have seen of your fathers, a dad that started out great, but he moved off the line? And the older you got, the dad that you knew that was over here that seemed so strong, a pillar of strength in your home, all of a sudden it's like he's not coming home, he's distant, he doesn't talk, he's on his own, he's sort of broken bonds with the family and it's like my dad's gone off the rails. And how many of you married a man and you're like, he was such a good guy. And over the years, life has steamrolled him and, and just overcome him. And he is different than he was. And you're praying for him. I believe men in here can return to their core values, apologize and hold the line and stand guard again. I do. I believe you can do that and to come back to your senses. Come back to your senses. I believe men can live for the glory of God. They can be bounding in the work of the Lord. You can know your life as being lived for the glory of God. And you can have an active relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe men can know their lives are valuable that they're not vanity and they're not in vain. I believe your life is worth it, that you were created and when God created man, he meant something by men. And you can become what he meant a man to be, that you are worthy and you are worth it. You are not the refuse of the world. You're not just a bunch of perverts. You're not just a bunch of power-hungry, just macho men out there that are selfish and self-absorbed and horrible communicators and just, you know, all of this stuff. You don't have to be that way. You don't have to, through self-fulfilled prophecy, live out that vision of your life, the script the world has for you. You are worthy and you are worth it. And your life doesn't have to be lived in vain, brothers. I just, I wanted to conclude with a verse that I've been thinking about lately as it relates to being just a person in this world that's steadfast and immovable for my wife and my kids primarily. Like it, it starts there and then the concentric rings go out from there. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good for in the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not faint. Do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season you shall reap a harvest if you do not faint. It's what the KJV said. I memorized all my verses in the King James Version. So don't give up. Don't faint. 
don't grow weary in well-doing. And when you're weary and you want to give up and you want to faint, there is an amazing harvest of hearts that happens when just in a time where people are dropping like flies, that real men rise up, abounding in the work of the Lord and laboring in the Lord. That harvest is, um, is worth it. It makes you feel dignity. It makes you feel masculinity. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the true masculinity of not just uh, violence or aggression for violence and aggression's sakes, but, but just rising up and using your strength to, uh, to fight for the good again and to fight for the good in others. Like, we don't need emasculated men. We don't need feminized men. We don't actually need masculated men, which is just pumping them full of more testosterone than they already have. But I believe we need just real men to rise again. Because it may feel like you're the least appreciated you've ever been, but I can assure you, you are the most needed. Amen. And real women are needed just as much. Yeah. And some are on the brink in here, and some are one decision away from hitting the kill switch, and, and some are just hanging by a thread, and I get that. And I'm just going to say to you today, don't give up, beloved brothers. Don't give up. You are a beloved son today, a son that God loves. And I thank you, God, for that truth. And I thank you for your word. I do not know where I would go if I did not have my Bible to just look at what you've said and to allow that truth to seep into my system and to give me the strength I need for just another day. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good citizen. I want to be a good neighbor. But I just, I just need to be beloved. And I want to thank you that when all else and everyone else can appear to fail me and fail us, that we are beloved by you. And even Jesus needed to hear that from his father when he was baptized, this is my beloved son whom I loved and whom I'm well pleased. I hope guys will feel that today. You're my beloved son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. And by the name of Jesus, may that find its way to our heart and give us the strength we need to be steadfast and immovable. 
Thank you for being a great father to us and filling in all the gaps that are left by our earthly fathers. Um, Just so grateful to have you in our lives. And it's in your son's name that we approach you now. And thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great Father's Day. Thanks for coming today.